those of you that are visiting, my name is Dave. I want to, if you are visiting, first time visitor, please send a text to uh, 859-327-7865. Got a slide up there. Just say visitor and uh, we'll assume that you want us to contact you back. We'd love to get your, I'd love to just talk with you and connect with you. Uh, so that there, if you are, uh, if you're, this is your first time, just text visitor to that number and, uh, and we'll get you, get you connected with our church family. Um, People have been asking what this is, and so I'm just going to say, you know, for my next trick, I'm going to, you know, someone says, is this Lazarus, you're raising someone from the dead? No, I, I, well, it, we'll explain that in just a second, but um, just suffice to say that today, I am so fired up about what we're talking about today, because we're finishing up our It's All His series. Uh, we started four weeks ago, basically saying, listen, people, it's all God's. Everything you have, everything you earn, your house, your car, your money, your clothes, it's all God's. If it was your you could take it with you when you die, but you can't. Just become someone else's. So it's all his. Everybody say, it's all his. His. Then we went into the three parts of probably the best Christian financial ethic I've ever heard. Earn all you can, give all you can, save all you can. Two weeks ago, we talked about the connection between prosperity and work that the Bible talks about, that we're supposed to earn all we can, that, that laziness leads to poverty, that work leads to prosperity. That's all over the Bible. And if anybody thinks that we don't need that message in America today, we do. Okay, the Bible draws a, a very, very strong correlation between work and prosperity. So earn all you can. Then last week we talked about save all you can, how a fool consumes all of his or her income, but the wise store up, the wise prioritize savings, how savings turns a major crisis into a temporary inconvenience. And when you don't have savings, like the Bible says, you just, your life is one crisis to the next. And today we're talking about the third leg of that. You guys see our little, our, our little graphic up here, the three-legged stool um, of, of it's all his. Uh, bring that up so we, we look at earn all you can, save all you can, and give all you can as three legs of a tripod. If any one of them is gone, the whole thing falls apart. So we're talking about today, give all you can. The main thing today is if our lifestyles are not hampered by our giving, we're giving too little. Okay? So what do a married bachelor, a square circle, and a stingy Christian have in common? They don't exist. Okay? It's kind of like a humble soccer player or an honest politician or a bass player that's attractive to women. Like, they just don't exist. Okay? Uh, I, they, they just, they're a contradiction in terms. See, guys, generosity is as close to the heart of God as anything we've ever seen, okay? Because generosity is in the heart of God. Uh, God, by nature, is a giver. The first thing we see him doing in the book of Genesis, we see him creating and giving life. He gives people and, and, and animals and everything they need to live, Okay, and the more we walk with him, the more like him we become. God is a giver, and so therefore, his, the people that call him Lord and Savior must be givers as well. And just as a personal note, you guys, I'll never understand the weirdness that people have with giving. I, I, I just don't. I don't get it. I understand you all that I'm a pastor, obviously, but I'm a Christian first. And I was a Christian long before I was a pastor. And, and, I, and everything the Bible says that we're called to do, that I preach about, I have to do it first. Because I'm a Christian first. I'm not, I'm not just a pastor. I'm a Christian. And, and so all of the, all of the things that, that the Bible says to do, I have to do myself. I've been a giver. I've been a tither since I was 19 years old. 
I was 19. I was working in construction in a lumber yard. I was earning six bucks an hour. I got paid every Friday. I made 240 bucks a week. And on, so I got my paycheck on Friday, and on Sunday, 24 bucks went in the offering plate, okay? Then I started doing that when I was 19 years old, when I had nothing. And I've continued to do that every year of my life since. And it's just been, it's been amazing. So 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says this, Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. God loves it when we're fired up about gen- being generous, when we're fired up about generosity. He loves that because that's who he is. And it's very, very I imagine God would be very kind of confused. Uh, you say you follow me, but you're not generous. I'm generous, but you, don't, but you say you're following me, but you're not? It's kind of a contradiction in terms. Okay, so we go into our earn all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. So this is why God wants us to embrace generosity. It's why he wants us to be full of generosity. Okay, number one is this. Generosity is God's number one trait. We just talked about that. Acts 14, 17. He said, he has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. That is why that's why we're generous, because God is generous, okay? You can try it till you're blue in the face. You'll never get me to understand someone who calls Christ Lord and Savior that is stingy. I, you can, it's like trying to explain physics to a monkey, okay? It's like trying to get me to like Ohio State football. It's just not going to happen, okay? All right? Uh, it's, uh, like, it's like trying to explain why Mariah Carey is a good singer or why all I want for Christmas is you is a good song. That song's terrible. It's awful, and we're getting into the season where it's going to be played nonstop. Okay? So pray for me. Okay? All right? See, yeah, trying to live the Christian faith without generosity is like, like trying to play basketball without a basketball. Like trying to play football without a football. Or driving a car without a gas pedal. That's what it's like trying to be a Christian without being generous. Okay? Your faith is devoid of God's number one trait. Guys, it's just not going to work. So that's one of the reasons why he wants us to be generous because that's what he is. The second reason is this, generosity leads to joy. It, it's, it's 1 Chronicles 29, 14. David was praying to God. God has said, listen, I want you to build a temple and you guys get to give, to, get, give of your income to, to make it all happen. And look what David's, King David's response was. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. He said, you you got to be kidding me, God. Are you serious? You're going to let me give to build you a house? I mean, everything comes from you anyway. So we're just giving back what you've already given us. Generosity leads to joy. He was astounded that God would give him the ability to give. Now, I want you, I want you guys to do something for me. I want you guys to think of someone in your life who's generous. Okay, someone in your life, a lot of like over half of the people when I ask this question say it's a grandma. You grandmas are awesome because yeah, you are generous. You know, think think about somebody who's generous. Now, I, 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 you guys got that in mind? Okay. Now here's the question: Is that person happy? A person joyful? They enjoying life? Most likely. Now I want you to think about the opposite. I want you to think about somebody who's stingy. He's kind of greedy. Who's selfish? You guys gonna know that person? Maybe that's you. Think about that. Now, is that person happy? You know, you would think that the greedy, selfish people 
would be the happiest, right? Because they spend all their money on themselves. They think of themselves first. They make sure they get what they want. You would think that that would lead to happiness, right? Because they got all the stuff. And yet they're the most miserable people on the planet. Isn't that amazing? The people that give, the people whose resources are open, people whose hearts are open to needs and love to bless people, those are the happiest people on the planet and you cannot tell me otherwise. Generosity leads to joy and God wants you to have joy. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what he wants for us all. But we will not do that with a stingy, closed-off, selfish heart. Okay? I, 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 I don't know any joyful people that are generous. I don't know any generous people that aren't joyful. I don't know if it causes, I don't know if joy causes generosity, like joyful people are generous, or I don't know if generosity simply brings joy. All I know is that they work hand in hand. Okay? Now, the third thing that, that the third reason God wants us to be generous is this. Generosity leads to blessing. Leads to blessing. Proverbs eleven twenty four says this. One person gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. You think God's going to bless someone that keeps everything to themselves who's selfish? You think he's going to entrust more of his resources to that person? No. Not at all. Generosity leads to blessing. Author Larry Burkett, who was the first Dave Ramsey, he was Dave Ramsey version 1.0, okay? Uh, he was a financial advisor, so his job was to increase his client's money, okay? That's what a financial advisor does. If you have a financial advisor and he is losing you money, you might want to find a different financial advisor, okay? So Larry Burkett, his job was to increase his client's money, and he says this, he says, the, the best thing, the best investment advice I can give to my clients was to tithe. Interesting. He said, my clients that tithe over his, over his entire career, the clients that tithe, they have more wealth, more money, more resources than anyone else. He said, the best, the first thing I'm going to tell my clients, if they want to maximize their income, tithe. And that's something. You know, we, we can't expect you to live under God's blessing. We don't model his character, okay? God doesn't bless families or churches or people that are not generous, that don't do what he says, plain and simple. When we do what he says, he blesses, as all through Scripture, and God always blesses more than we could ever ask or imagine. That's, that's why God wants us to be generous, why we, he wants our hearts open to be able to bless people and, to, and have our, our, our resources available to people. Now, the four biggest questions I get on giving. As a pastor, I get a lot of questions on this, okay? Some of them, uh, they're rhetorical, but uh, these are the biggest four questions. I'm going to try to answer them for you because you may have these questions too. The first question is this, how much should a Christian give? You know, people are always looking for specifics, okay? Uh, well, in the Old Testament, the command is to tithe. Now, let me explain what a tithe is. A tithe is not just a haphazard thing, okay? I'm, uh, there, there's not a, a body. I'm not raising anybody from the dead here, okay? I've, I've got an illustration for you, okay? The tithe is what is known as the first tenth of your income, okay? Here, there are ten boxes. You guys see my ten boxes here? Okay, the tithe is the first. Okay, what God wants us to do is divide our income into tenths. And the tithe is the first tenth. Now, what we recommend around here is a good starting place for giving is the 10-10-80 plan. Okay, you, you tend to God, tend to yourself, and then the rest of it you spend on life. Okay, 
life gets 80% of your income because everybody's got bills, everybody's got mortgages, everybody has, like, you guys like having the lights on? And every, yeah, well, that, you got to pay for that. I don't know if y'all know that, and I got to pay for that. Well, you guys, that's the life part. So this is what we recommend for people to give. In the Old Testament, we were, it was to tithe. The, the, the tithe was, was the first 10%. Now, in the New Testament, I've heard a lot of people who are faux biblical scholars say, well, Jesus never said to tithe, and so therefore I don't have to. Well, you're technically correct. Jesus made a veiled reference to tithing when he was criticizing the Pharisees. He was saying, you know, you guys tithe, but you don't love people. You should have practiced the former without neglecting the latter. So, so that, he said that, veiled reference to tithing. But if people really want to get New Testament, what did Jesus say about giving? Jesus said to give it all. Okay, he said, he said to the rich young ruler, sell everything you have, give to the poor, then come follow me and you'll have treasure in heaven. So when you put that up to people, people generally prefer the much easier Old Testament <laughs> of tithing. Okay, all right, so, so when you put it that way, so how much should a Christian give? Okay, well, um, that, that, is, that is what we recommend as the healthiest thing, the 10 to God, 10 to yourself. So whatever you tithe, you put in savings. We talked about that. And then you live on 80%. Now, as, as, as you grow and you mature and you get a little bit older and, and your income increases and your expenses decreases, the trick is not to increase this, but to increase these numbers. You want to increase the tithes to 12, 13, 14, 15% savings to 15%. If you could do 15, 15, 70, you're really doing well. And guys, because tithing and saving is where money gets fun. Okay, life, th- th- this isn't fun. These are bills, this kind of stuff, but when you can bless someone, when you can save, and you can see that growing, that's where it starts to get fun. So the goal is to increase these two numbers and decrease the, this number here. So that's how much should a Christian give, okay? Now, um, the, the, let's just put some numbers to this. Because some people don't get this, but let's put some numbers to this. I did some research, and the average American household in America in 2022, the most recent numbers we have, the average income, median income, was $74,580. That's what, I mean, that's, that's New York, California. The, I understand that Kentucky's probably going to be a little bit less because we have a lower cost of living and everything like that. But the average American household brought in $74,580. So that means that each of these blocks represents $7,458. You guys tracking with me? Each one is $7,548. That's what each one of these represents. Okay? So um, divide that by 12. You have an average monthly income of $6,215. Okay? You guys got that? That is each of these blocks. For, let's break this to the month. So each one of these blocks represents $621. You guys got that? So just break your income into tenths. Each one of these blocks. So this is how much? Six hundred and $21. This is how much? $621. Okay. All right. So people are like, there, there is no way on God's green earth that I could live if I did this. I, 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 hear, I hear the wheels turning right now. Okay. Well, um, my trans, I, 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 this, this really becomes glaring to, to me when I travel overseas. In, in about three weeks, mission team from Catalyst is going to be going to India, okay? And my, I'm going to just give you a, a, a case study. Uh, my translator, a guy named Jeremiah Chira, faithful pastor, 
he lives out in the middle of nowhere. He's planted a church, and he's ministering to workers in the fields, in the rice paddies, and the laborers that make nothing. They are the, the poorest of the poor. Well, Jeremiah has a wife and two children, and he makes $65 a month. $65 a month. So the average American household earns almost 100 times what he earns. So this, I see this, this is his income right here. And this is the average American family's income. And what amazes me is when I hear Americans tell me that they cannot do this. They, they can't afford to tithe. They can't afford to save because they have so many expenses when more than half the world lives with this. I don't know if you guys can see that, but how are we doing, fellas? How are we doing? Okay. So I, what, what happens when we gain this kind of perspective is that we understand how blessed we really are, okay? I don't know any of, you, any of you all that are living on $65 a month, and yet God provides for them. So please don't tell me that you can't afford to do the 10-10-80 plan. I think maybe we just need to be made new in the attitude of our minds, okay? Second big question I get is this. Why does God want us to give? Well, and it's a good point. God doesn't need my money, right? God doesn't, you're right. He doesn't need it, okay? But this is why God wants us to give, okay? Plain and simple, that it's all his, and he can tell us what to do, all right? If you own, if you own your house, you can tell people what to do in your house, right? It's all his, and he can tell us to do this. But the main reason is that the Bible says this is holy to him. It's not just, a, it, the, the tithe is holy to him. And that means set apart. That means sanctified. That means special. That he cherishes this. That he treasures this. Okay? It is holy to the Lord. Now, why would it be holy to God? Why would he care so much about this tenth of our income? Why? This is why. What is the biggest compliment you can pay someone? To trust them. Okay? Words means a little bit, but when you trust someone, that is the highest compliment you can pay anyone. Okay? And when you, when God gives you all of this, this is all his, he's given to you, and he says, hey, I want the tithe back, and you give it back, he treasures it. Not because of the money, but because it, it shows you trust him. You trust his provision. You trust his word. People, I know talk is cheap. Put your money where your mouth is. If you trust God, this belongs to him. And that's why it's holy to him because this is a statement that you actually trust God. You, wanna, you really want to compliment someone? You really want to show how much you love them? Trust them. And that's why God wants us to give. He doesn't need it. It's all his anyway. But this right here shows that, he, that you trust him. That's why he wants us to give. Third question I get, does it count if I tithe to an organization other than my church? Well, there are a lot of great organizations that are not 
church related, you know, like Habitat for Humanity and Compassion and World Vision, our Catalyst Orphanage. People sponsor that in our, in our Catalyst Orphanage. Those are a lot of great uh, organizations that are doing kingdom work. And that is, I don't have a specific word from the Bible, but this is what was taught to me, and I'm going to teach it to you because I think it works, okay? Um, in, in the book of Deuteronomy 12, 6, um, it says, bring your tithes and your special gifts. So there's a tithe and there's a special gift. Uh, they're, they're different. They're separate. The way that my wife and I have practiced is that the tithe goes to the church, the body of Christ, because that's the only, only uh, one that, that, that we're commanded in the scriptures to give to, okay, to our local church. The tithe goes to that, a special gift to Compassion or World Vision, the Catalyst Orphanage, uh, Habitat for Humanity, Crisis Pregnancy. Those are special gifts that are above and beyond, okay? That, that's what was explained to me. So my wife and I, our tithe, more than that, goes to this church, and we sponsor children in our Catalyst Orphanage and give uh, to support missionaries and pastors out. That is a special gift. So can you tithe to the Catalyst Orphanage? No, you can't. Can you tithe to Habitat for Humanity? No, you can't. You can give a special gift to a, a, a parachurch organization, but the tithe goes to the church first. That's what it was explained to me, and that's what we practice, okay? And the, the fourth one is this. Should I tithe on my net income or my gross income? Gross. And I'll tell you why. Okay, remember, the tithe is what? The first. And in the book of Samuel, it tells us that, he, the prophet Samuel says that whoever gets the tithe is who you proclaim to be God. But right now, what is the system? How is the system set up? Who gets our first Uncle Sam. Now, how many of you all are ready to proclaim Uncle Sam to be God? Not me, okay? Uncle Sam will never get the first part of my income. I will never give Uncle Sam the first fruits of my work. That belongs to God. And that's why we tithe on gross, not net. Okay, if we tithe on net, it's an acknowledgement that the government got her first, and I will never, ever make that statement. Okay? Matter of fact, Uncle Sam, I put the taxes in the 80%. Okay, so I tithe off gross, I save off gross, and then after that, everything else goes. So that, that's, that's why. That's, that's why we tithe off of gross instead of net. Okay? So uh, here are some things. This is why I believe so strongly about giving and why I love it, okay? I love it. This is something great. I love this. So many pastors are weird about giving. I don't know why, man, because this, is, this, this, is, this just fires me up. I love it. Why I believe strongly about giving and why I love it. Number one, there's some things that, that I've been practicing in my life I want to pass on to you guys, okay? Number one, giving can't be haphazard. You can't be walking in here and then you hear the prayer for the offering like, oh man, what, 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 what can I give this? You, you can't do that. That's not responsible. That's not doing what God says to do. Giving can't be haphazard. 1 Timothy 5.8, anyone who does not provide for their relatives, especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. We're supposed to have our finances in order, we're supposed to have a plan. We can't we can't, make a, we can't give haphazardly. We can't pay our mortgage haphazardly. We can't save haphazardly. We've got to have a plan, okay? And so we need this. If you don't have a plan, start with this, 10, 10, 80. It cannot be haphazard. Uh, giving cannot be just giving a few bucks here and there. That's, that, that's so condescending to God, okay? That, that, you, that, that's not. Giving needs to be budgeted. 
need to sit down and figure out what your income is. Break it into tenths. And you need to have a plan for it. Um, on our, our Catalyst website, uh, my wife and I, we don't, we, we, when the plate passes, it looks like we don't give. We give online. It's scheduled. On the 17th of the month, we have a set amount taken out of our bank account to give to our church and to the Catalyst Orphanage and whatever else we're doing on the 17th. I don't see it. It's like a mortgage payment. It is scheduled. It's budgeted. You say, well, Dave, that's not worship. That's not, no. That's, that's exactly what God wants us to do. Okay? So you can set it up for automatic withdrawal if you want. But guys, it cannot be haphazard. Number two, giving makes your church experience far, far, far better. You may, you, you're like, whoa, it, giving makes it better? Absolutely. Matthew 6, 21 says, where your treasure is, so your heart will also be. And where you invest your money is where you invest your heart. Uh, if you sacrifice each month, support your local church, you will find that Sunday mornings are more fun, more fulfilling, more meaningful, more positive. Okay, you will draw deeper meaning from your Christian faith and your church experience because, like the old saying goes, you get out what you put into it. We learned this lesson when we were teaching Financial Peace University. We started teaching Financial Peace University here like a decade ago. And we said, okay, these people are in financial crisis. Uh, they, they, they need, they, you know, we can't charge them. The church will just cover the, the, the expenses uh, and everything. We'll just get people in here and we'll get them financially disciplined. And we, we had all the best intentions in the world. And it started off great. We had a, a full room, and we were teaching these great principles. You know what happened by week three? The tenants had cut in half. You know what happened by the end? There was one person left. It started off with more than 20, and there was one that finished the class. Because they weren't invested. They had nothing invested so when something better came along, when they got tired, they just didn't feel like coming to, coming to, to Financial Peace University, eh, I'm just not going to go. So the next time we sat back, okay, we need, we need 100% of people to finish the race. So we charged them. The cost was 100 bucks, and we got some really strange looks. How can you, these people are in debt up to their eyeballs, how can you charge them? Guess how many people finished the class? 100% because when they paid for it, they were invested in it. Their hearts were in it. And so I'm, I guarantee they were sitting at home at 5 o'clock, you know, the class at 6, like, oh, I'm kind of tired. Don't really, oh, But I paid, so I'm going. Okay? Guys, when you invest, you follow through. The same is true. If you aren't a giver to your church, you aren't invested, then your church experience is going to be very shallow. It's just not going to mean much to you. It'll be easy for you to sleep in on Sunday morning. I mean, you're really just not really invested. But when you're invested, everything changes. And if church isn't something that fires you up, if it's something that, 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 that you, you don't look forward to with anticipation, and that it's not the best hour of your life, I want to recommend you start tithing. I want to see if that changes. Okay? People are bought in. People invest in their church, simply enjoy worship a thousand times more. And I'm, I'm living proof. Of that, my whole church experience changed. I started tithing age 19. It wasn't until that the Lord called me to ministry. Amazing. Number three, giving is worship. It's not a break in the service time when the when the ushers come forward and pass. It's not a break. That is worship. It is the oldest form of worship in the Bible. In the in the in the book of Genesis, it was always an offering that took place. Uh, preaching, singing, music was never part of worship in, in, in the beginning. It was all giving. 
People, uh, it's amazing. Americans come to church because they're empty, man. I need, I need to be filled. I, I need to be filled up, right? Because I've had a rough week. I need to be filled up. The people in the Old Testament would look at us like, what the heck is wrong with you all? We, we arrived to worship just full of, of, of sin and rebellion and everything, and we leave empty because we give and we give all that to God and we, and, and we bring our best. We come to church uh, uh, full and we leave empty because that's what worship is. We've got to kind of mix it up. Maybe we start time, maybe it's time we start looking at the offering. Time is essential, you know, not an addition. It's essential to our worship of God, essential to the life of a believer. Like I said, you can't be a believer in Christ without generosity. You can't do it. Before, this is a thing that bothers me, and I hope that you guys will, will receive this with the grace that I hope I communicate it within it. But giving is the large, largest area of disobedience in the church today. It really is. Like I said, I, I, I'll never understand it. Um, the average church, about 6% of the people give this to God. 6%. 94% don't. Think, think, think about that. If, if 94% of, Christ, of people in our church were committing murder, we'd have a big problem, right? If, if 94% of the people in this church were committing adultery, or if 94% of the people in this church were, uh, were, were stealing, uh, were, were uh, engaged in, in habitual lying, and, and we, man, it would be time to come to Jesus, I mean, I mean, I'd be expecting a lightning bolt to come smack us or something. You know what I mean? And yet, 94% of Christians are disobedient to what God says to do. There's a problem. See, studies show the average Christian gives about 2.5% of their income. 2.5%. Interestingly enough, in Islam, one of the five pillars of Islam, is to give 2.5% of your income. And so I wonder how many Christians are shocked to find out they're more faithful to the teachings of Muhammad than to Jesus. Guys, that's the largest area of disobedience in the church today, and I would love for us to be the, the exception to that, that we're simply faithful to what God says to do, that we give God the tithe because it's holy to him. It shows that we trust. Church that trusts but the number five is this. Giving should be joyful. should be joyful. Guys, I love to give. I'm a terrible shopper. My kids, my wife knows know that. I, I, I hate malls. I even hate shopping online. I'm terrible at buying gifts for people. It's not my love language. I'm terrible. You know what I love doing, though? I love saving up money every month so that Christmas can give money. Cash is king, y'all. I've never had anyone say, I'm going to take this back to the bank. You know, I'm going to return this and get something else. I've never had people do that with cash, okay? So I love to do that. I love to give. It's, it's just so awesome because it brings me so much joy. I love to give. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, Each of you should give what you've decided to give in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Guys, I love to give. Um, I, I, giving isn't always easy, especially when finances are tight. My wife and I, have, uh, we've, we've had months and years where finances have been tight. I get it. I get it. I know this personally. I mean, you guys, I got mortgages. I got kids. I've got, you know, I, I've got bills, everything. People think that somehow God just kind of pays all you. He doesn't, okay? I have to, I, I have to, I, 
exact same thing. I don't have the red line. You know, God doesn't, uh, the red phone, direct. I don't have that, okay? Um, I have all those things considered just like you do. No one said every, that always giving would be easy. However, it can always be joyful. Let's face stressful months where we have big expenses, uh, when an HVAC unit goes out or, or you know, the, the, or the kids need something new or, or one of the, our kids get injured on the, on the playing field and, and we have to pay for doctor's visits and all this kind of stuff, uh, I, I, get, I can give joyfully because of a statement of faith in God that I know he will provide. But guys, we joyfully place our resources in God's hands with the belief that he'll provide everything we need. Living that way produces a joy, 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 unspeakable joy. This um, quote by C.S. Lewis is probably the mark, it's just an, an amazing mark of maturity. When, when C.S. Lewis wrote this, um, see, I, I think when you're young in your faith, you want kind of hard numbers, like 10, 10, 80. That's, it's, it's a good starting point, okay? This is a good place to start. But as you mature in your walk with Christ, you grow and you become more mature. Your faith deepens. You stop being about hard numbers, okay? Kind of the legalism of the hard numbers. You, you kind of move past that. And you move into just a different level and... and uh, Daryl, if you guys would go back to that uh, slide on how much should a Christian give, there's a quote by C.S. Lewis and put it up on the board. Sorry, I kind of blew past that. But he writes this, I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. In, in other words, if our expenditure on comforts, luxuries, amusements, etc., is up to the standard common among those with the same income as our own, we're probably giving away too little. If our charities do not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say they are too small. There ought to be things we should like to do and cannot do because our charitable expenditure excludes them. Wow. That is someone walking deeply with Christ. That's someone with a very mature faith. See, they would rather bless people than do everything they want to do. Like a good parent. A good parent will give their children everything they need, a limited amount of what they want, okay, and we'll give the rest away. Same thing with us. We should have everything we need. You should pay your bills. Don't be a drain, okay? Don't, 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 be a, don't, don't, don't be a drain, okay? Make sure that you're paying your own bills. Make sure you're working hard enough so you're not a burden to anyone, okay? You, you pay your own bills, everything you need, and have a limited amount of what you want, and the rest give away. That's what he's saying here. That's someone that's walking very, very, very deeply with Christ. Less self, more others. Less self, more God. He must increase, I must decrease. That is the motto of the Christian. And the, the biggest place we demonstrate that is in giving. You all, be generous. Be joyful. Be the kind of person that walks so closely with God that you do the things God does and the first thing he is is generous if you don't have a financial plan and you are interested in this i'm a certified financial coach i will be happy to sit down with you get on a budget wonder so we can see where you're wasting money where we can get on a budget and we can start managing your household god's way and watch the blessing 
and the joy invade your home like a swarm of locusts. It's awesome. Well, God bless you. We'll see you. Bye-bye.